So, good morning, welcome. We are the bunch that have not gone camping, okay? Isn't that wonderful? So, uh, we haven't gone camping. That's amazing. And um, mainly because um, perhaps um, we knew it was going to rain today. Uh, But there's no evil in our hearts, is there? Um, But it's good. Welcome to Willow Park Church. My name isn't uh, Steve Johnson, who's the associate pastor here. My name is Phil Collins. I'm the lead pastor here. So welcome and thank you for joining us. We've been working our way through a series about looking at the armor of God and understanding what each armor really represents within our lives and the difference that that can make within our lives and how we can enjoy and know that safety in the middle of the warfare that we face with our battles that we all face within our lives. Isn't this true? You and I, and I know that we face many battles in life where, where life is tough, where life is hard, where it's, it's difficult to carry on. Maybe you're struggling right at the moment with family issues and, and problems and difficulties. Maybe you're struggling with, with uh, situations that you're battling through. And I want to encourage you, don't give up on praying. Don't give up on battling. Uh, you may have heard before, Michelle and I at many different moments in our lives have battled in prayer over relatives and loved ones. I remember battling over really needing the shield of faith when we battled over the life of um, my brother-in-law, Matthew. He had been uh, so very, very ill. He'd been placed in a uh, a secure unit, uh, a hospital, as he suffered with schizophrenia. And his battle was so intense and his pain was so deep that we, I guess, for a number of years, fasted each week, pushed into God and asked God to break it. I remember going and visiting him in the hospital and it's always very difficult and hard when you've got loved ones like that in a situation and praying with him and going through the different levels of security and sitting down and having what were quite difficult and random conversations and it felt all strange and difficult but we were believing God. We're in the middle of the battle. We were contending for his life that God would do something and God would work. I am amazed. That now I look at his life and look at his rhythm of his life as he lives in his own uh, apartment. As he is now helping with the preparation of meals for the Alpha group that is being run in his local church. And that he's part of a church group and God has saved him and blessed him and freed him. It's wonderful that he's there and that presence but you know, it took a long time. It took, you know, it took a long time of that, that, that struggle. And you know that you're perhaps in that struggle as I have been in that struggle, as, as you face problems and difficulties. Well, I want to say something this morning is this, is that God has it and that you can trust him, that you can hold on to him. And the shield of faith tells us this, that you and I and you in the situations you face, you you can actually start to believe that actually I can pick up the shield of faith and I can believe that in the middle of that battle, in the middle of that situation, God can break in and God can work. And that we look for that. 
Our verse we're looking at in Ephesians 6 talks about the very fact that we take up. In addition to all this, we've talked about the different pieces of armour. We've talked about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. We've talked about the shoes of the readiness of the peace of the gospel. And suddenly, as he changes gear, he uses this phrase, now take up the shield of faith. Notice... That the shield of faith is something you have to be willing to take up and to pick up. It's something to grab hold of. It's something to take up. You've got to put on and fasten truth around you. We're used to that. And we've talked about that. But here it says when it comes to faith, you have to be willing to take up the shield of faith within your life. So that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And for some of us, we've been in the thick of the battle. And actually now, we realise that we haven't been taking up the shield of faith in the way that we should be. So what does this actually mean? What it means is this. To take up the shield of faith. Well, John Calvin wrote many, many years ago, and as he commented on this scripture, he said that what we have to realise is that with the shield of faith in our hand, and I can imagine the great reformer, preacher, preaching this, he said, as you have the shield of faith within your hand, you have that shield of faith, and what that shield of faith does, it repels the attack of the enemy. It repels it. And sometimes things are coming at us and we realise that with faith we can repel the attacks of the enemy. And he said, and with in our other hand, the word of God, which is the sword, we can annihilate those forces that come against us. I just love the way he puts that. But what does it really mean? It means this, that when you feel weak, that when you feel as if you've got no power, That when you feel as if you are battling to the point of where you're wondering, how on earth am I going to cope? It means this very simply. It means that when you take up the shield of faith, two things happen. And it's clear. Number one is that God gives you strength. And number two, God gives you power. And that's exactly what he wants to do in our lives. In your situation, you may come here today and you may feel weak. You may be struggling. You may be facing different situations. But when we pick up and take up the shield of faith, he gives us strength and power. That is the promise that God wants to give us in our lives. You may feel powerless. You may feel as if all strength has been drained away from your life. But let me assure you that the very nature of this description tells us that God wants to give you power and strength to face the struggles within your life. The battles, that you're not alone, that God is with you. Come on, we, if our faith is worth anything in this changing, shifting world, we've got to preach the truth that when we face the most hardest times in our life, his strength, his power will be with us. That gives me hope. And we've got to be willing to think about that. So we've kind of introduced this a little bit about strength and power, a bit of Calvin. But what does a shield represent, let's say, in the Old Testament? 
Well, this is beautiful. Because in the Old Testament, God was their shield. You see, again and again in Scripture, it talks about that the Lord God Almighty is our shield. It loves to describe this in Scripture. In fact, it uses many metaphors and pictures that the Lord is our shield, the Lord is our fortress, the Lord is our deliverer, the Lord is our stronghold. He is our right arm. He is with us. He protects us. He is there. And in the Old Testament, the image is this, that you're going into battle and you are struggling, but you know what? The Lord Almighty is your shield. He is the one that will protect you. There's that interesting story in the book of Genesis in chapter 14 where it talks about a a moment when four kingdoms combine power. You may not know this story, you may not have read ancient uh, history in this way, but there's a moment when the, the kingdoms combine power and they create an allegiance and then they start to move out into the land of Canaan, uh, which is the promised land there, and they start to attack the kingdoms and the city-states that existed, Sodom and Gomorrah and, and such like, and they start to move through and basically that whole region becomes aflame with, with battles and allegiances and things are happening and cities are falling and chapter 14 in Genesis talks about this and in the middle of this, all this mess and all this craziness, suddenly Lot is abducted and his family and taken into captivity. And Abraham gets to hear about this and off Abraham rides with 318 of his best trained men to go and to liberate Lot. And he finds his nephew, he finds his nephew, he brings his nephew back and he liberates him. And then after all of this action in Genesis chapter 14, then we see an amazing verse in chapter 15 and verse 1. And it says this, And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And you know, sometimes life feels a little bit like crazy. Our nephews and our our loved ones have been taken off and they're in problems and they're in difficulties. There's craziness going all around us and people are grouping here and the economy's doing this and we've got difficulties and we wonder how on earth are we going to cope with all of life's pressures, with all of life's problems? How are we going to do this? And the Lord bellows from heaven and what does the Lord say? The Lord says, I am your shield, your very great reward. In other words, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you. I'm your shield. Right back there in the beginning of the Bible, we have this image. And I don't know what your family life is like. I don't know what situation you're facing with at work. I don't know what you're battling with in your situations, but let me tell you something. Be encouraged because the God of heaven says, I am your shield, your very great reward. I'm going to be with you. The beautiful psalmist in Psalm 28 and verse 7 wrote these words. Psalm 28 is amazing. But he says this, the Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart 
trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. But look at those beautiful words. The Lord is my strength and my shield. This is what Paul wants to communicate to the church of Christ. That actually right even back in the Old Testament in Genesis in the Psalms. That the Lord wants to say again to us. I'm your protector. I'm your shield. I'm with you in your difficulty. And and. We live in an age where we need to know in this age that God is with us, that God is our shield. Let's think for a moment about the shield itself. You see, the shield itself did three things. But first of all, the shield uh, that, that Paul is talking about is not the Greek shield, which was round, Uh, smaller, more flexible, more able to move quickly. It was a solid shield. It was about two foot wide and about four foot or so deep. It was oblong shaped. It was made of wicker. It was made of leather. And of course, for different shields and different uh, levels of um, command, it had you know, maybe some brass on, some iron work. But, but basically, it's made of leather and wicker and wood and shaped a sturdy shield that, first of all, covers the whole of the body. This is important. Because if the enemy is attacking with flaming darts and arrows, we need a faith that covers every part of our lives. In other words, I've got to be honest and say there are no no-go areas for me and God. In other words, there's no gaps My whole life, I want my whole life, my whole family life, the way that I live, the way that I treat, the way that I speak, the way that I act, that there's no gaps within my faith because I want a faith that covers my whole life from top to bottom, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I want faith to cover every part of my life because I need that protection. I need that shield. It covers my whole body. And that's why I encourage people, you know, don't let the enemy have any gaps in your life. Live a life of honesty, live a life of confession, live a life of repentance, live a life of acknowledging your own weaknesses and bring them them to Christ. Let it cover every corner of your life. So the first thing about this shield was that it covered every part. The second thing about this shield is that... Oh, you take it up and you hold it and it covers every part of your life. The second thing about it is that it was made of wicker. And what they would do before they went into battle, they would take this shield and they would soak it. Now, I'm going to confess something to you that's not easy. And it's not something that BC men would naturally confess. But I have in my past, and I have repented of this, I have crafted and made a wicker basket in my past. (laughs) Have you ever done that? No, of course you haven't. 
Now, you may not know, but I went to a, quite an artistic school growing up. It was, it was, it was called, cool. oh, I may have said this, I went to school with, with some rock star kids from Led Zeppelin, uh, Robert Plant's daughter, and of course, none of you know who Led Zeppelin is because you're so beautifully heavenly. And... And, and uh, we used to sit around and the, the teachers used to say to us, well, today, because, you know, we want you now to, to weave a basket. Oh, there was great excitement in our class as grade nine boys all gathered around in our uniforms, weaving baskets. But the one thing I remember that we had this, all of this, we got ready, we had this great big bucket And we would put the material for weaving the basket into the water and it would soak and soak. And once we've soaked it, we would pull it out and we'd start to weave. Because now it was soaked. And this is exactly what a Roman soldier would have to do. Because if you're going into battle and you've got a dry shield and it's not wet through, and the flaming arrows are coming towards you, then you've got a problem because your shield is going to be on fire. And of course, it's, it's obvious that faith is good that covers our whole lives. Faith is powerful. It needs to cover every part of us. But a dry faith is in danger of being scorched and in danger of being burnt. And I meet lots of Christians who are not bringing faith and the Spirit together, who are not in the river of God and asking God to fill them. Because when you're in warfare and flaming arrows are coming towards you, you have to be willing to say, listen, my wicker, my shield has been in the river of God and I am full of God's Spirit. And as those flaming arrows come towards me, I'm going to stand firm. I'm not going to experience the heat of the burning of this situation because I had the Spirit of God in my life. I think you've met Christians who are, who are burnt, who their faith has become dry. And if you inspect their shield, it feels like there's scorch patches all over it because they forgot and how disastrous would that be in battle? You know, you've got a group of Roman soldiers and you're holding your, your shield and the, the flaming arrows are coming towards you. Now, the arrows in the ancient world weren't like the Robin Hood nonsense little arrows, you know, running along those English boys in their tights. And there they are, you know, little ping, woo. These were massive arrows. The Assyrian arrows, the, the Egyptian arrows, the actual bows were six foot high. You may have seen pictures of them. They would hold there the bow and the arrow in this position and they would stretch as far as they could and they'd lean back and they'd let go. And when that arrow left that bow, it is traveling like an exocet missile towards its target. It is hot. It is on fire fire and you better make sure that your shield is wet, that your shield is linked and that you are ready to take that impact. And this is the third point. Shields were connected. And I've said it once and I'll say it again. When you're in the attack in life, 
One of the best gifts against spiritual warfare in the battles of life is linking shields with other people in faith because we need community to get through many painful situations. We need each other's prayers. We need to bless each other. We need to hear God for each other. We need to give people scriptures for each other. We need to link together when we're in the middle of the battles of life with our dripping shields held together as the flaming arrows are coming towards us, we are there ready to stand. You see, if you isolate yourself, you may have a big shield, but if you isolate yourself and don't link with others, it's easy for the enemy to pick you off. And so many people in their Christian faith make the mistake of isolating themselves and then the enemy attacks. So what are these flaming arrows? Well, John Stott, the great English theologian of the last century who arguably was the most influential thinker in the evangelical church in, in, in Britain at that time and shaped our thinking in terms of gospel preaching and mission, he, he made it pretty clear. He said, you've got to realize... He was a man of real faith, a man of real depth. He was the rector, of course, of All Souls Langham Place, right there in downtown London. He, he was called uncle. He was never married. He, he, he wrote hundreds of books on all kinds of theological thoughts and thinking. And, and all of that, that profit he put into a trust to train Indian pastors so that they could know the gospel and preach the gospel throughout India. And he writes this. He says, I want you to realize that the flaming arrows are real. And they come to us in many forms. They come to us in the power of temptation that the enemy fires at us to tempt us in our lives. I think we've experienced that. They come to us in the power of our doubts and our cynicism that he comes and, and works and tempts us in our lives, in our doubts, that we understand that we, we have doubts. And I think for some of us, we go through periods of difficulty and doubt. There are periods of, of fear that the flaming arrows come towards us and our lives become full of fear. And suddenly we're feeling unreasonably full of fear. We're feeling as if we can't cope. The anxiety is surging through our body and we know that we've got problems and we wonder why we feel this way. And after about a few days, and if you've experienced this, you suddenly wake up and think, I wonder if this is a spiritual attack. <laughs> Duh, yes, think about it. There is... Guilt that comes your way. The flaming arrows of guilt and the flaming arrows of judgment. These are things that we all live with. But what he's trying to point out beautifully is that we're at war. And these flaming arrows are coming against us. I don't know what you're facing at the moment. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's guilt and shame because of the past. Maybe it is judgment that is on you. 
But I want to tell you and encourage you that the faith that you have taken up is strong enough to resist the flaming arrows of the enemy. It's strong enough. I encourage you, take it up. What does it actually mean to take it up? Well, in the, in the Greek it means to take it up. It actually means to grab hold of all the resources that are available for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, God has given you resources. He's given you things that are available for you to take up, to grab hold of this. And this is important because as 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 shows us, we have a lion, a roaring lion that is around us and that is, is, is present, that is, wants to devour our faith and wants to rip us to pieces. So I've been thinking a little bit about this. What are some of the shields? If we have a shield, what is the shield made up of? And there are a number of things we could say, but let me just share some of my thoughts. For you, take up the shield. I think first of all, to take up the shield means this. There's that lovely moment in John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, when when a certain character is coming towards them and the character speaks these words. The character says, I am coming to you and I am going to spill your soul on the ground. And he says, Christian heard this as this character was coming towards him and he instantly picked up something that was a shield and he turned his shield towards this character as the character shot flaming arrows at Christian. They were defeated and vanquished because of the shield that he was holding. John Bunyan, brilliant. I think you need to pick up the shield because there's an enemy that wants to spill your soul. Wants to wreck it. Maybe that first shield I need to remind you of is the shield of promise. Take up the promises in scripture that God has given for you, for your life, for your family. And don't forget to keep praying the promises in scripture and believing the promises and asking God to honor his promises. See, there are lots of promises. And it's time that you grab hold of these promises again and you honor them. And, and you know, as I read uh, wonderful um, Preachers from, from a, a bygone age. And as I read them and I read about prayer meetings and how people sought the face of God, I see one thing throughout our history as great evangelical Christians is that we've always believed in the promises of God and the promises are personal for the church and we pray them and believe them that God will do something mighty. We need that. In the next 10 years, 6,000 to 8,000 churches will close across Canada their doors. We've already heard on the national news that church attendance in America has dropped yet again. And more people doubled. More people have become atheists. In America, in the last seven years, the statistic has doubled. The only grouping of church that has continued to grow in North America is the evangelical church of which we're part of. But I'll tell you something. We mustn't forget 
the promises that God has given us. Pick up the shield of promise. Pick up the shield in confidence. Why can it be in confidence? Well, it can be in confidence because Christ has actually won the victory. And we have to remind ourselves this. We pick up a shield of confidence. The third shield may surprise you as thinking about this. It's the shield of gratitude. That I pick this shield up and I am thankful for all that God has already done in my life. I'm thankful for the way that he has worked. The third shield is the, the fourth shield is the shield of his presence, of his Holy Spirit. That river, that presence, that I have his presence with me. And his presence is there. In John 5, there's that lovely, well, quite tense interaction in John 5 between Jesus and the Pharisees. And he says, you know, you have all the knowledge, but you don't realize that standing before you is, I am, and I am the gift of eternal life. And sometimes we can have the knowledge without actually knowing Christ. And I want you to be clear on something. When you become a Christ follower, you know him. It's a relationship. It's a friendship. You know him in your life. So leave this building today and know to pick up that shield. Know what you believe. Know that the faith covers you. The faith isn't just there to sustain you through life. The faith and the shield is there so that you can gain victory over the attacks and the power of the enemy as he comes against us. We have that victory. It's present. So you can't do this whole of this subject without mentioning at least Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith. It was by faith, it says in verse 3, that we understand that the universe was made by the hand of God. What a beautiful thought. It is by faith, he says in verse 4, that... Abel came and brought an offering that was acceptable to God. It was so important. It was by faith, of course, that Enoch walked with God. In verse 5, and he didn't die, but it was taken up to heaven. And he pleased God. How did Enoch please God? It says Enoch pleased God because he sought God's faith face in his life. And if you want to be a God pleaser, then learn to seek God's face. God's face in your life. Noah pleased God. In verse 7 it talks about because he was obedient to building the ark. In, in verse 8 it talks about Abraham and this great epic story. He pleased God by his faith because he travelled from a land far away and he was willing to settle. He believed God for the birth of the child through Sarah even though she was old. He was even willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. He didn't understand this he didn't know what was happening but by faith it was by faith verse 21 it says that Jacob leant on his stick and blessed all of his children it says by faith in verse 22 that Joseph so believed in the promise of God that he said, listen, my bones will not be buried in Egypt, but take them to the promised land. That was by faith. It was by faith that Moses' parents 
In verse 23, tugged this baby and placed it in the Nile and trusted it to God. And then by faith, Moses chose not the house of Pharaoh, but chose to serve God. You see, God loves our faith. He said, by faith, he stood by the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. He said, by faith, they were there in the promised land and In verse 30, suddenly the walls came tumbling down of Jericho. It was by faith that Rahab was willing to take that that cloth and wave it out and believe. And it's like the writer of the Hebrew kind of runs out of energy and he starts to name them one after another. Gideon and David and this person and this king and go on. And he says right at the end of that scripture, but even so you have more than all. All of them. Because you have a living relationship with God the Father. You have a knowledge and a relationship of his presence in your life. By faith. We're not so different, are we? Than Abel, we bring our sacrifices of worship. We want to please God. We're not so different. We want to seek God's face. Like Enoch. We try and do and be obedient like Noah. We we travel long distances from one place to another with our family, believing that God is with us. We believe this. We bless our children and pray for our children and the next generation. We want, even after our death, that our bones count for something of what we invested in the world. We've received the great message of liberation, the gospel, and have seen Red Seas part in our lives. And even though we may feel like a harlot, like Rahab, as if you've got no use or no purpose, God chose you and said you are forgiven, you are loved, and you will be part of my redemptive plan for this world by faith. By faith. And we've got to be willing to believe, to pick up that shield, to take it up, to let it cover each part of our lives, to soak it in the stream of God's presence, to link it with others, because we are at war for the souls of humanity. Let's pray together. Can I ask you to stand? Even at this moment, friends, you've come this morning. Oh, and you believe. You believe in God the Father. You believe. You may struggle, but I want you to know you are loved. But at this moment, you are feeling like you're in a battle. And as we bow our heads, if you feel like you're in a battle at this moment, just reach out to Christ. You may physically want to lift your hand, or you may just want to lift your head up to heaven. You're in that battle. 
You need faith because you're traveling. You've forgotten promises and it's time to get those promises going again. It's time to step in. It's time to pick up that faith and link it together. It's time to believe. Lord, I pray, Lord, now, even for those of us who have dry faith, I pray, Lord, that your presence of your Holy Spirit will come and help us to believe, even for the impossible, to take up faith. Come now, Lord. In the final time of worship that we will know your holy presence amongst us. Speaking to us. And coming close to us now. We link shields together. and We believe that there is hope in Christ. Comfort and speak and bless, I ask as we take up the shield of faith in our lives. Amen.